Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Today is Monday, August 8th, 2022. It's the day after the Senate finally passed their so-called Inflation Reduction Act, which they celebrated by talking about, well, everything but inflation. Why? Because this doesn't impact inflation, doesn't reduce it. If anything, it will slightly increase inflation because of the spending that's going to take place over the next year or so before it might, and I emphasize might, have any kind of downward impact on inflation. Instead, they were Senate Democrats were out yesterday hailing themselves for passing the most significant climate change legislation in the world, in world history, et cetera. And that's exactly what this is. I mean, this is a very light version of the progressive wish list that uh, started off as Build Back Better, but actually goes back 20 years. And uh, A.J. Kaufman and I are going to be discussing that in today's episode. So you can stay tuned for a discussion of that. We were talking yesterday as the debate was unfolding and, um, and as the Senate Democrats were insisting on doubling the size of the IRS <laughs> because supposedly that's their idea of fighting inflation is to double the size of the IRS uh, and put much more scrutiny on Americans. And in fact, they defeated an amendment that would have required those new employees to focus on people who are work, uh, people and companies that earn more than 400000 in a year. Senate Democrats defeated that, so it gives you a pretty good idea of what they want to do with the IRS. And, as, and even if you look at this as an inflation-fighting measure, which it clearly isn't, uh, it would backfire because what happens when you force companies to pay more taxes, either through audits or through threatened audits? Well, prices go up because, because businesses don't actually pay taxes. In the long run, it's their consumers that pay taxes. So prices will go up, which is inflationary. It's, in fact, it's the definition of inflation. If you're hiking taxes on businesses, which this bill also does, you are going to force them to raise taxes because they have to pass those costs along to the end consumer. So that's what's going on. We talk a lot about that today. There's a lot basically that we have going on today. I have a VIP column up today about the Democrats' bait and switch on inflation reduction to climate change and doubling the IRS. Uh, I was more than a little irritated about that, and uh, I hope that my venting will, will please some of our VIP customers. If you're not a VIP customer yet, uh, well, you can find out how to do that at the end of this podcast. Um, and there's going to be some I'll just preview very briefly, or at least I'll hint, that there are going to be some significant changes in VIP. So this is a good time to jump in, by the way, just to let you know. it's There are going to be some some fun things coming in our VIP section. Um, and then, of course, we've got the... Uh, We've got the airline cancellations, which were horrible over the weekend and getting worse, some of which were weather-driven, much of which was not. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about Pete Buttigieg maybe running for president in 2024, even if Biden's still in the race. And um, his track record as transportation secretary is pretty darn poor, so I'm not sure what the basis of that is except for just personality. And I'm not even sure that that's enough to float Pete Buttigieg. But if he runs for president, um, he doesn't have much of a track record of success in his uh, in his current cabinet post on which to run. Um, All Pundit's got a great uh, post up. It'll be up by the time this, this podcast goes up, uh, talking about how Senate Democrats' argument about the IRS expansion is, well, if you don't cheat on your taxes, you have nothing to fear. 
which he rightly <laughs> uh, correlates with the idea that you don't actually need Miranda rights if you're innocent, <laughs> which is, yeah, yeah, that's, it, that's great. Great. It's a great approach. I, I hope they run on that in the midterms. I'm, I'm happy about that. The Washington Post, by the way, meanwhile, the Washington Post, after the bill passes, decides that this is a good time to bring up questions as to whether or not the climate change stuff in that bill is actually going to work. And of course, a lot of us were already making that argument that we tried this in 2009, right? The American Recovery and Reinvestment Act, the porculus that we talked about, that uh, the $880 billion um, spending bill in 2009 that was on the uh, at the end of the Great Recession uh, spent billions, hundreds of billions of dollars, or at least tens of, well, hundreds of billions of dollars on, on, on green energy and didn't do anything in terms of moving the needle on on making that production more reliable, more scalable, a lot of it went into failures like Solyndra. Solyndra was not the only one, but the, the Washington Post does bring up Solyndra, which sort of amounts to an argument that maybe the Democrats' climate change bill is also a bit of a bait and switch, which it is. It's just the same old subsidy and, and, and punitive um, regime that we tried in 2009 and that didn't work. So... Um, they're a little late to the party. And so there is actually a diehard reference in that. So if you haven't seen that, you should definitely see that. Um, Karen's got some um, uh, a good post coming up about Democrat governors coming for Georgia's entertainment industry. Um, and then I have something coming up based on what Jonathan Turley wrote about, uh, talking about how red states should ally together to combat that. Um, I think that's a fascinating topic. I wish it wasn't necessary, but it probably is. And Jonathan Turley is on top of that. Um, so I've got some commentary for that as well. Uh, new ABC Ipsos poll over the weekend. Biden doesn't have a bounce. Uh, I think that what happened here is that they may have missed a bounce because they, what they missed in that between June and August was the bottoming out, right? There was a bottoming out and it bounced back. Biden bounced back up a little bit back to the same level he was at in June. Um, and I, I, you take a look at that and there's really not a lot of good news in Democrat for Democrats in that ABC Ipsos poll, even though the narrative right now is that Democrats are rebounding. I'm not seeing it. And this is something AJ and I also discuss in our upcoming discussion, which is, I don't think people understand the, the context of an election when you have inflation running at 9.3% or over 9% at, at least the producer price index running uh, it, uh, producer price index inflation running in double digits, and you've got the Federal Reserve uh, hiking the interest rates 75 basis points at a time, month after month after month. Uh, that is a that is an, in a political context that we haven't seen in over 40 years, and I think that people are saying, well, you know, abortion this and climate change that, and 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 Joe Biden getting legislative victory on this, and all of that is really going to be a non sequitur. To the, to the economy, especially since we still got a couple of inflation reports yet to come before the midterms actually arrive. Uh, we've got two this week, CPI and PPI will come out this week, which might get overshadowed by passing the bill because House Democrats and Senate Democrats will say, well, we're addressing that in the Inflation Reduction Act. But when inflation doesn't reduce in September and October's reports, I think that there is going to be a pretty big backlash against this. And I think as, as we run down to the midterms, Joe Biden being enormously unpopular with high inflation and 
and, and skyrocketing interest rates, uh, you're going to start to see the, the hiring economy cool and you're already in a position now where real disposable personal income has declined five quarters in a row. That's, an, that's a political environment that hasn't existed in the United States for a very long time. And I think people are misunderstanding how that's going to play out in the midterms. But we shall see. In the meantime, stay tuned for my conversation with A.J. Kaufman and for a tip on how you can get on board the VIP train as it's really going to start accelerating and putting on speed. Have a great afternoon. Welcome back to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. And uh, joining me today is one of our good friends, A.J. Kaufman of Alpha News, alphanews.org, alphanewsmn on Twitter. And uh, A.J. is here to talk a little bit about what's going on in the Senate uh, today being Sunday, we're recording this on Sunday morning while the reconciliation bill, the so-called Inflation Reduction Act, as Bernie Sanders put it, uh, the Climate Suicide Pact, as Bernie Sanders also put it, um, is going through the Senate. Uh, we're in the middle of Votorama as we're recording this. And AJ, um, what what's your takeaway so far as to what's going on with this bill? Well, I mean, it's disappointing. I mean, the, the bill, Democrats are telling you it's going to reduce inflation lower prescription drug costs, combat climate change, of course, close corporate tax loopholes. And I don't believe it does that. I don't think it's going to reduce inflation. And, you know, University of Pennsylvania, not exactly a bastion of conservatism. Their business school said it won't. Uh, it'll increase inflation. The CBO, nonpartisan, last I checked, said it'll have a negligible effect. I heard Chris Coons, who's a, you know, moderate Democrat, I'd say, on ABC this morning say, you know, he's happy about the bill, but said it will take a year or more said it will, you won't see any impact on inflation in the first or second year. That's pretty big. So, you know, it'll, it'll pass, but uh, it'll go to the House later this week. But I don't believe we're going to have, we're going to see many great effects from it, much like many of these Democrat bills. No, no, I, I agree. There's nothing about, there's nothing in here that really is going to reduce inflation. First off, you're expanding government spending. It doesn't matter whether you're also raising revenue. You're still expanding government spending, which means that you're going to be, uh, spending more, especially in the short term, you're going to need monetary expansion to fund that at the same time that the Federal Reserve is jacking up interest rates. That means that the government has to pay higher interest rates on the money that it's going to borrow to to spend on these programs. And, uh, and, and that is going to uh, force inflation higher as well. It's going to dilute the, mo the money supply as well. I mean, there's all sorts of reasons why Bernie Sanders, and I don't often say this, but Bernie Sanders is right. That this is a so-called inflation reduction act. This is not about inflation reduction. This is about trying to squeeze as much of the progressive agenda as possible uh, through this session of Congress before they lose any ability to do this at all after the midterms. Yeah, Bernie, Bernie was was cantankerous. That's the word I usually use for him. I, I dislike the man very much. And uh, he did call it so-called inflation reduction. But of course, he was more angry about the fact that it's going to supposedly help the dreaded fossil fuel industry, which I don't I think that's debatable. Certainly, I, I hope I wish it did. Um, but Bernie's always at war with the fossil fuel industry. And um, I, I just yeah, you're, you're, you're correct. I haven't heard that argument made by too many Republicans. It's accurate. It's it's pulling money out of the pockets of Americans who are already struggling in many ways by making inflation, you know, either higher and certainly not go down. And it's, it's irresponsible. It's going to create burdens on the country that were you know, that are going to be harmful in the future. And I think the best part of it is that it's going to give 80, I think it was 80, correct, correct, forgive me if I'm incorrect, 80 or 90 billion 
to hire about 90,000 new IRS employees. Right. <laughs> both sides are probably, I don't think anyone wants that, maybe some, but that, that's my most exciting part. You know, all the all the regulation and all the crap that's going into it. And then let's bring in a 90 or 100,000 more IRS agents. Great. 87,000 is the exact right. number. 87,000 new IRS agents. Um, and there's we're in the middle of Votorama, right? And Votorama is a sham, and I'll get to why Votorama is a sham in just a moment. But Votorama is the thing about reconciliation that there is an unlimited number of amendments that can be offered by both sides. That's one of the one of the the downsides of trying to use reconciliation is it gives your opposition lots of opportunities to demand uh, changes to the bill, all of which means nothing, which I said we'll get to in just a minute. But there are a couple of interesting amendments that were offered about the IRS thing. Um, the first was that uh, Mike Crapo offered a, an amendment that would limit the um, uh, the jurisdiction of those 87,000 new IRS agents to only um, auditing companies and individuals with an income of $400,000 or more. Right, because the four hundred thousand dollar level was what Joe Biden said. You know, we're not going to raise your taxes if you are making under four hundred thousand dollars a year. You're not going to pay one one more dime in taxes. Um, that amendment failed on a fifty fifty vote, straight party line vote, fifty fifty. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. By the way. Um, and then there was another one that said that they would delay hiring the IRS agents until they added eighteen thousand border patrol agents uh, to secure the southern border. That one also failed on a 50-50 vote. And so what you've got here is the is the makings, if you will, of the campaign ads for the midterms, which are going to be Democrats would rather send IRS auditors to your door than Border Patrol agents to the southern border. Um, it, Ed, Ed, you're, you're completely correct. And I wish you were a campaign manager because I don't know how many of these Republican senatorial candidates house is a little different we'll actually have that i'm sure some will but a smart campaign would already have that ad being put on the air this week um and i hope you're right but a lot of these senate candidates are are inept and i don't just say that as like someone who's trying to criticize the party or the establishment I, i'm actually talking about the ones who are on the more fringe populist side of the candidate ledger right so there's gonna be a number of these amendments there there was a um, amendment that split up the um insulin cap yeah. uh First off, the, the parliamentarian changed that because the parliamentarian ruled that uh, the drug price cap overall could only apply to Medicare. It couldn't apply to private companies uh, not because that would be policy. I mean, Congress could pass something like that, but just not in reconciliation. Uh, because, again, re remember that reconciliation is a budget process. And so there was an additional amendment today about the cap on insulin prices and that one apparently passed, or it didn't pass, but it was to strengthen something. 57, that, I want to say. 57, 57, but it needed 60. Yeah, but it needed 60 uh, because it was a point of, it was a point of budget order, um, and that required a 60-vote threshold, and it didn't make it. But all of this is nonsense, and, and I'll explain why. Um, now, AJ, you're a fan of the blues, right? Rhythm and blues? Classics? I, I've, I've been known to listen to the occasional rhythm and blue. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> in the singular i love it the rhythm and blue um well you're familiar with the classic ray charles song the mess around right yeah that was in planes trains and automobiles i think I it wasn't playing it John was Candy in the car yeah yeah he's doing a he's yes, doing it yes, on the dashboard yes. right the car yeah. goes on fire yes, yes yes right yeah exactly 
Uh, it's also in the movie Ray, of course, because the movie Ray is about Ray Charles. And um, the song was actually initially written by Ahmet Erdogan, who was the the, the maestro of Atlantic Records R&B and jazz divisions at the time, um, at least as depicted in the movie. It's a great movie, by the way. If you've never seen Ray, I don't know about AJ, but everybody who's watching this, if you've never seen Ray, it's really one of the great biopics of all time. It's... it's uh, it's completely contagious. If you drop in on that movie anytime on cable, you're almost required to sit through all the way through because it's you can't turn this thing off. Jamie Foxx is fantastic. It's just a great movie. Anyway, to get back to my point, though, The Mess Around was, uh, it, it's a great song. Uh, got a great piano hook and everything, and it's a great rhythm and blues slash rock and roll uh, piece. But I suggest that we need a new version of this called The Wraparound, AJ. <laughs> And, and I spent some time writing the lyrics on Twitter today. Okay. Um, and the reason why I write that and the reason why I bring this up is that at the end of reconciliation, you can count on this. Democrats are going to bring up what's called a wraparound amendment. And the wraparound amendment is an amendment that can pass on a simple majority that simply restores the bill back to its original state. That is an allowed um that is an allowed maneuver on reconciliation. Republicans used it, in, I believe they used it, in 2017 on their tax reform bill. Um, it's basically a way to say that everything that we just did in Votorama <laughs> doesn't matter at all, which, um, I mean, it's, it, it's, it's kabuki theater. It's all for show. This is just nonsense. just to show you how... how, how tough it is to be in the minority and and you know we're hardly in the minority as republicans it's 50 50 but i heard today that kamala harris this would be her 25th tie-breaking vote um there's only been 280 or so in american history so she's done almost 10 percent of the tie-breaking votes in the senate and that's just unfortunate because we you know 50 50 is where we're at shouldn't be there but we are right which prompts a question here as to why Democrats voted against those two those two amendments. They could have voted for those amendments right. and then let it get stripped out in the wraparound. Now, Joe Manchin, because they had to do a wraparound on the American Rescue Plan in March of 2021, and that is the last time that they've it's been used because that's the last reconciliation package that passed. And Joe Manchin at the time said he would never do it again. Um, regardless of what the position that they were in, he thought the wraparound amendment maneuver w was really stunk and he'd never do it again. Um, and I happened to just run across this because I was looking for, you know, while I was doing these, these lyrics, I mean, uh, I, because I know that you are a fan of the, of the blue. <laughs> the police, the, the police and, and, and the rhythm. Yes. There you go. Um, I mean, this is this is how I started off. There's a dance that senator do senators do pass amendments and pull them to. We call it wrap around. Dozens do the wrap around. See that cat from the moderate state? He votes down pork, then reinstates. That's the wrap around. They're all doing the wrap around. Okay, so um, I, yeah, I can see. I can certainly see uh, Ben <laughs> Cardin and. Uh, and, and uh, Diane Feinstein doing the wraparound dance this morning. Doing the wraparound dance. They're out there boogieing on the Senate floor doing the wraparound dance. But, I mean, if you got the wraparound, why vote down the, the, the restriction on the, on the new IRS agents? Why vote down the, um, the delay uh, to get the Border Patrol um, staffed up properly? You may as well just go ahead and vote for that and, well, and deny Republicans that now. talking point. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad they're on the record because that that is – an easy talking point that I think will uh, certainly appeal to most Americans uh, or, or make a mo more most Americans um, 
discouraged by the Democrats, um, you know, voting the way they did on certain. Right. Yeah. Well, I've challenged my two state senators, Ted Cruz and John Cornyn, to read part of my lyrics into the Senate record today. I seriously doubt that they're even going to see this tweet before the before the before Ted the final Cruz vote. Cruz to put on a show. You, you know, you you may have found one of the few senators that he would put on a he would do anything to get on cable news. So I'm telling you right now. And of course, this is the next day. By the time everybody's seeing this, it's the next day. But as of Sunday morning, I have committed that either that any senator who reads those lyrics, at least a portion of those lyrics into the Senate record and has a clip of it, I'll put that up at hot air immediately. We'll, we'll oh, post good. that oh, immediately. Because oh, um, why not, you know? <laughs> Good. But um, but in the end, this thing's going to pass, um, you know, the, the in the Senate anyway. I'm curious as to what you think that um, is going to happen in the House, because Bernie Sanders is still talking about this bill as though it's a, a climate suicide pact and accurately describing it as having no impact on inflation. This is strictly a, a progressive hobby horse bill at this point. Um, how do you think progressives in the, in the House are going to react? Because Nancy Pelosi can only afford to lose four votes here. Yeah, I mean, you always think about the more moderate Democrats in the House, the few that there are. There's Spangenberger in Virginia and Gottenheimer in New Jersey and a couple, very few others. The guy up in Maine, Golden, I believe is his last name. Golden, yep. Um, the progressives, I mean, they, they, to some degree, might take their cues from Bernie Sanders or Liz Warren. Obviously, I don't, I, you would think people in districts that are poor, and that includes, you know, Ilhan Omar's district has poor people, AOC's district has poor people, Rashida Tlaib's, Cory Bush's, they would care about inflation, but obviously the party line is that this is good for inflation, or I mean, good to reduce inflation. So they very well may not care very much about that. As far as the climate aspect, of course, I, you and I and half the country are more realized that Bernie's full of, you know what, when it comes to that, this is, you know, not good for the responsible side. And it is profligate spending that's going to give too much money to the, to the green groups. It's a, it's a, it's a, Oh, I wrote an article last week about it, and I called it, I should quote myself, right? Um, Absolutely. It was a, I called it a grab bag of green corporate giveaways. Yeah, I mean, that that's what I thought it was. Um, which, so, we did, which we did 13 years ago, by the way. Yeah, it's the well, same thing we did 13 years ago with, um, yeah, with um, Obama's, uh, you know, stimulus slash relief plan. Right. So, you know, this is, I'm assuming they're going to go off, they're going to be going for it. I mean, in the House races, of course, most of these people, once they get through their primaries, and most of them have, I believe Ilhan Omar has a primary on Tuesday. But if, if history is a lesson, she'll, she'll probably proceed through that. Um, I don't think the House people are, are a lot of them are worried about re-election or campaign ads. So I'm assuming they're going to get on board. I mean, but I would be more interested to see if the moderates would take a stand and get this close to maybe re being rejected. But I, I highly doubt it. Nancy Pelosi I've said this before, to her credit, uh, you know, and again, I'm not a fan. I disagree with her on, I'm sure, 99.9% of issues. I think she's a good leader when it comes to being a progressive yeah. Democrat bully. Um, I, until this is Chuck Schumer's first time where I've said he's done something, uh, you know, quote unquote, good for his side. I think t Chuck Schumer is a terrible leader and has been a total failure, has been outmaneuvered by McConnell on everything until last week, or was it the week prior, I guess, when this went through. That was the first time McConnell or Schumer had actually won the day against McConnell. And we've seen that, by the way, not to get too off on a tangent, but the environment is a little bit less favorable to Republicans now than it was two weeks ago, a month ago. I mean, gas prices have gone down 80 cents, they say, in my town, about a dollar from its peak. Um, there's been some legislative achievements. There was gun control. There's this. There's infrastructure. We've had some elections where the Republican Party, which we'll get to next, um, yep. 
have put forward some less than desirable candidates, in my opinion. And the Democrats are now hoping that they can, you know, they're not going to keep the House. There's just no way. That's all that's all covered by the broad disapproval of um, Biden and people believing overwhelmingly that the country is headed in the wrong direction uh, and are upset about inflation. But in the Senate, you know, they may be able to salvage it and uh, they may be able to win some net some governorships, the Democrats, the way things are going. But it's still three months to Election Day, thankfully, in many ways. Yeah. And at least two at least two inflation reports (laughs) to go to. all right, let's let's turn our attention to that. You've been doing a lot of writing about that for alphanews.org. Also on Twitter, alphanewsmn, um, where you can find them. AJ is not on Twitter because he's smart, um, but <laughs> but uh, but Alpha News is, and uh, so you can follow them there. What's going on? In what what was your takeaway from the latest round of um, of Republican primaries? I mean, I think everybody took a a deep sigh of relief out of Missouri, right when Greitens ended up in third place and um, actually fairly distant third place to Eric Schmidt. Um, Eric Schmidt's a pretty solid candidate for Republicans, I think, in Missouri. And I think that that's that's now that's got to be feeling pretty comfortable in um, filling Roy Blunt's uh, seat in retirement. But what about Arizona? What about some of the other places that you've been watching? Well, you're right on Missouri. Um, I'm glad Greitens lost. I'm glad Eric Schmidt won. Trump endorsed both of them, as you know. Um, <laughs> he endorsed and, Eric, which was exactly. which was the troll of all time. I mean, it was, it was. I don't <laughs> even know what he meant, if he meant it or not. But um, um, yeah, Schmidt will win. He'll win probably by double digits. So that thankfully that seat is no longer in play, which it would have been had Greitens been the nominee. I would note that Vicky Hartzler, who came in second, was endorsed by Josh Hawley. So that's interesting to see whether that his clout didn't help her at all. And she's a pretty respected congresswoman, but um, most everyone else endorsed Greitens or uh, or uh, Schmidt. I think it's, I think that might be more of a, um, I think it's really more about Schmidt's um, poll in Missouri yeah. as, well, he was, as, he was as AG. Of, yeah. He was the favorite of talk radio, of cable news. Well, he'd won crew, statewide I before think. too. I mean, he won the AG office statewide. Yeah, no, right. Hartzler only ran in her, in her congressional district. So it, 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 it was a good, it was a good first time out of the gate attempt um, for Hartzler um, as on, on a statewide basis, and she might bounce back for uh, another statewide race down the road too. I agree. I agree. Maybe maybe she'll run for governor. You know. Um, so yeah, Missouri good. Um, out west, not good. Um, at least in my opinion. You know, Arizona has a very strange Republican Party. I, I'm very careful what I say because I have um, friends of the family who are um, legislative chairs of their areas in Arizona, and every single person I know in Arizona. Now, granted, because of my parents being out there. Uh, my mother and my stepfather and their 11 or 12 friends that are all active out there. None of them voted for the two winners, Kari Lake or Blake Masters. They all voted for you know, other candidates. Um, but the party itself run by Kelly Ward, who is a conspiracy theorist type, a, a, a kind of a crazy woman. Let's be honest. She's got some weird theories. She's run for Senate twice in the primary, tried to primary McCain, I believe McSally and lost. Um, but she, her party has now become, you know, unelectable at the general election. Now, again, not over yet, but this all started sort of with Sheriff Joe, Eric Pio, the governor, Jan Brewer, they were sort of this populist mentality. Um, and now you have to stop the still types that are running and winning, uh, Kari Lake, Carrie Lake, you know, she is a full on stop the steal conspiracy person. I'm assuming in the next three months, she'll actually run a campaign that talks about issues like the border and immigration and the economy. But as far as I could tell her, most of her campaign was about 2020, 
which is interesting to run a campaign for governor. We're talking about a national election from two years ago. Right. Um, and she trailed all night and won at the end, which I thought was interesting because this is a conspiracy woman who, you know, says that late voting, you know, late voting is always rigging things. And yet it helped her this time. And maybe that's because that was the same day vote. I don't know. But she's going to have to moderate or at least get some fully formed philosophies before she has a chance to even come close to winning the gubernatorial election. And I think she'll lose by double digits. Um, and that's unfortunate because Doug Ducey, the current governor, two term, very successful, conservative, good guy, didn't run for Senate because the MAGA group does not like him because he wouldn't go for the stop the steal. And I think he would have not only won the nomination, but probably won the general. So Arizona gets what they what they what they vote for. And that goes for the Senate, too. So this Blake Masters, if those who don't know, just turned 36 years old, um, won with a plurality because there were five legitimate candidates. Right. Yeah. Or four or five. Um, and he is a he is a former libertarian turn kind of big government aggressive populist. And I know a few of those people. It's a very interesting move. A lot of these people who have gone from libertarian to populist, which are very different. <laughs> very, um, very different. Yes. Yes. But he was the COO of Peter Thiel's hedge fund. He has in the past written some we've all written some zany things online, but I don't think you or I have ever written that the United States should not have been involved in World War II. Um, nor have you and I written that Al Qaeda is not really a threat to the American to, to the United States. Right. He, he's written both of those things. Um, yep. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah. I, you know about Blake Masters. I think that Blake Masters is a. Um, I, I mean, I I I, I get your concern on Kari. Like, I think I'm less concerned about Blake Masters. I think Blake Masters. I think Blake Masters is somebody who's written some zany things, but is probably a little bit more dialed in than um, than maybe Lake is. It's and, hard not to be. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. But I mean, I think he is. And, you know, I, I heard him on Hughes show, you know, okay. and of course you, you tell, you tell your, you tailor your message to your venue a lot of these times, but in, he sounded, you know, not crazy and fairly focused. Uh, now that's that doesn't mean was, he's going to win. That's where I was going. Yeah. That's where I'm going, Ed. I, I think Lake will surely lose. And I think Masters, it's a toss up right now. If I had to flip a coin, I think he'd probably lose because Mark Kelly has a lot of money. But Mark Kelly should also be portrayed as a rubber stamp for Biden. And so while Masters might be trailing now or toss up, my concern would be that Kari Lake brings him down, that she because she's a lunatic. And I'll just use that word because she is. She's proven that she Democrats come out in mass to vote for Democrats. And that includes voting for Mark Kelly against Blake Masters. So he may be hurt by Kari Lake being on the ballot. Um, that's you, my concern. You know, in a normal cycle, I'd say, yeah, because we saw that happen in 2010. We saw it happen in 2012. Remember, the Tea Party generated some its own share of oddballs in these races, which would have been winnable. Sharon Engel, for instance, in Nevada, uh, you know, Christine O'Donnell in Delaware, for instance, um, uh, you know, clearly not ready for prime time um, and and lost winnable races. Mike Castle would have been. A much better choice just leave in place, even though he was, you know, yeah. a Susan Collins kind of Republican. It's the only still kind of Republican. Better, you... Still better to have someone voting 80, 85 percent of the time with your party. Than exactly. And also and 100 percent of the time for your leadership. Right. For the for the yeah. for the caucus leadership. Right. So um, lesson learned in that case. But I'm not sure that the normal rules apply in this cycle because we That'll haven't be right. seen this kind of economic environment in 40 something years. 
I mean, even 2010, we were coming out of the Great Recession. There was still a lot of churn, but things had pretty much stabilized. Um, by two, may not have felt stabilized in some cases, but things had pretty much stabilized and then stagnated um, from that point forward in 2010. And I, I'm telling you, I don't know that you can run. I don't know that you can guarantee that voters are going to be thinking about anything else than, you know, 9.3% CPI inflation, 6.8% PCE index inflation, the Federal Reserve starting to toss out 75 basis point um, interest rate increases on a monthly basis. And, um, and, and, the, and the big kicker is five straight quarters of declining uh, real disposable personal income something that people really haven't picked up on. It's it's the metric that tells you that even if you can't technically call what's what's going on a recession, you know, because of the big job number that happened on Friday, people are saying, well, look, you know, clearly it's not a recession because look at this job growth, which is a fair argument, but you've got five straight quarters of declining real personal, <laughs> real you know, dis, uh, real disposable personal income. That is, that is what voters are feeling right now. It's, almost unprecedented certainly not right. in the last 40 years i think you're right broadly speaking that works better for the house i think senate possibly yes so there's fewer candidates i still think senate the candidates matter um and i think and and on policy masters by the way i mean and lake and others these are not tea party people i mean yeah you're right about what happened in 2010 and 12 with some weird candidates but the, but the tea party would have sunk people like blake masters and jd vance and others for not being fiscally conservative Right. But it seems like now, as long as you're conspiratorial or or, you know, and you'll be applauded at CPAC where Kari Lake ran to the day after the election, whereas conservatives you know again, whether you like them or not, like Liz Cheney or Ben Sass are, are rhino, even though they're conservatives. So it's a very strange thing. These are not these are not I wouldn't call these people conservatives. Now, I hope they win most of them because it's better certainly for the Senate. But Arizona, boy, I mean, I don't know what they're looking for. I mean, this is a. You can dislike Jeff Flake or John McCain, and but McCain, uh, I looked it up, McCain won by 25 points in 2010 and by 15 points in 2016. Yep. So again, I'll take the most liberal Republican around over a Democrat just based on voting. And I think it's disappointing that we're running people who I think will probably lose. A lot of them will lose that in, in states where they shouldn't. Um, right. And what I would say, too, is that you've got... Um a state here that really is more Goldwater Republican than, yeah, than populist. And, and Except for the fact that McCain and Flake were not Goldwater Republican. They, they were, were, they were initially. Okay. Flake may have, okay. McCain was 35 years, 40 years ago when he first won, I guess. So I can't remember that. Um, well, I mean, go, I mean, when you say Goldwater Republican, you're talking about, you know, more of a traditional conservatism, yeah. And, and McCain, McCain, at least for a while, was that. Then he got caught up in the whole campaign finance reform stuff. Right, okay. Sorry to peel well, away from it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But, and Flake was too. Flake was more Goldwater Republican than he, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, that grew in office sort of thing, right? <laughs> which is, which is, yeah, which is, you know, it's frustrating when it happens, but it does happen. Um, okay, so that's Arizona. We've got a couple more minutes left. What else should we be looking at in terms of the uh, outcomes of the primaries last week? Wisconsin is Tuesday. Um, there's not really any, right. drama, any drama in the primaries. Um, the, Ron Johnson is going to run for a third term and be the nominee for the Republicans. And Mandela Barnes, named after Nelson Mandela, 
a 35-year-old African-American guy from Milwaukee who's been in government since his 20s. He'll be the Democrat nominee. Um, everyone else pretty much has dropped out and endorsed him even before the primary. And he's very radical. Um, the media is going to downplay that. I read a New York Times story that touched upon it, but it spent most of the time bashing Ron Johnson as a conspiracy theorist. And certainly Ron Johnson has had a few issues when it comes to um, his, his response to the pandemic, his, uh, his election conspiracies. There are some of those. And of course, he's anti-abortion, which is what most Republicans are, but they're going to play up that. And it's just a very, very big dichotomy, very divergent past. You've got, I mentioned Barnes, kind of a socialist, radical, BLM type guy. And then Johnson, a 66, 67-year-old businessman who lives in a small town in central Wisconsin, who was not involved in politics till he ran about 12 years ago. And uh, it's a battleground state. You know, a few thousand votes can sw swing an election. There are a lot of independent voters. Johnson's not popular. He's in the low 30s, but he was also in the mid 30s. I read six years ago when he beat Russ Feingold in the Senate election and he beat Russ Feingold twice, once in 2010, once in 2016. So will Johnson survive? It's hard to say. I mean, he's not, you know, you've got Herschel Walker in Georgia. You've got Mehmet Oz in Pennsylvania. You've got J.D. Vance in Ohio, who were all true outsider celebrity types. Johnson's not that, but he also has a record and they're going to bring up a lot of comments he's made. And uh, that's going to be a very close race. I think Johnson's lucky the Democrats have picked a very, very left-wing guy who I can't see appealing to many Wisconsinites outside of uh, Madison and Milwaukee. And also, again, in this particular economic climate. Yes. You know, you're not so. running. You're not running a guy who's an unknown quantity or you know some newbie. Johnson's been there for two terms, and and he's a, he's a reliable vote against Joe Biden and Joe Biden's economic policies, and I suspect that Johnson may be stronger than anybody would have predicted a year ago because just because of that. Even in Wisconsin, where he's not necessarily particularly well liked, um, I, I suspect that. A lot of people in Wisconsin are going to say, you know, look, we, we, we just simply can't keep going in Biden's direction here. And I think that that's again, I think that's going to that's a missing context that people just aren't accounting for in this uh, in this uh, political climate. All right. Uh, anything else we should watch? we got a couple more minutes left. Anything else we should be watching um, in the next uh, couple of weeks in primaries? Well, Minnesota's got primaries Tuesday. Um, Scott Jensen, uh, full disclosure, I've, I've done some work for him. I am a supporter. Um, he's going to be the nominee for governor. They had a, you know, they had their big um, convention back in June where he won on the ninth ballot. It's a very strange system they use in Minnesota. It kind of takes yeah. it out of the hands of the voters, as you know. Um, there's also a congressional, the most confusing thing ever, a special election and a general primary in the first district of Minnesota on Tuesday, which we wrote about at Alpha News. Uh, Representative Jim Hagedorn passed away a few months ago. Um, there's Republicans competing for his seat, but there's also a general primary. At the same time, it, it's, I, I can't even explain it. You can go to Alpha News, take a look at it. But two elections are taking place on the same day under different boundaries because of the way the district will be reshaped during <laughs> in the fall for the next election. So the winner will serve the remainder of Hagedorn's term. But I can't explain to you how confusing this is. There are two elections. They both count, but they kind of both at the same time count different ways. So Jennifer Carnahan is uh, Hagedorn's... Um widow right and she's running yeah, she, for. She, she did not make it out of the primary oh she um, didn't make it out of the primary former gop chair resigned kind of in disgrace not too popular anymore um but you can look at alpha news for our lead story as of now is on that and uh look what can i tell you i would just close up by saying on the primaries i, I think it's gonna be tough to hold the senate or to take back the senate i think it'd be better if we had 
McConnell more involved in active role recruiting like he did in 2014 when we had Joni Ernst and Tom Cotton and Corey Gardner, Tom Tillis, Bill Cassidy and others. These celebrity Trump populist candidates are going to have a tougher road, but hopefully the natural, the national mood will carry them to victory. And hopefully the Democrats can't make the entire election about guns and abortion. And, that, and that's, we, you know, as they're going to try to. Last quick question. Neither yes. one of us live in Minnesota any longer, but both of us have long ties to Minnesota. Both Dean Phillips and Angie Craig, Minnesota 3 and Minnesota 2 respectively, made it clear that they really didn't want Joe Biden at the top of the ticket in 2024. Are they worried about losing uh, Minnesota 3 and Minnesota 2, both of which, you know, within the last decade have been represented at times by Republicans? Um, do you think that Min 3 and Min 2 are going to flip in, uh, in, in November? I'm not close enough to know if they're going to flip, but that's why they're saying it, of course. Uh, Angie Craig barely won her first term. I think she's in her second term. She's running against, I'm assuming Tyler Kistner will be the nominee, a very impressive military veteran, young guy. Dean Phillips obviously took the seat. It was a Republican seat before. Kendall Qualls challenged him last time and, and almost beat him. It's obviously that's a calculated move in what I'd call swing districts. It's suburban Minneapolis on the west side and sort of suburban south and east side of St. Paul, Minneapolis. Um, they're doing that to save their uh, their proverbial bacon. It might work. Um, uh, there are radicals in those districts, and there are people who probably like Biden, but it's a smart thing for them to do, and we'll see what happens. Um, but I think the House will be okay overall for the Republicans. All right, A.J. Kaufman at alphanews.org. You can find Alpha News on Twitter, Alpha News at Alpha News MN, at Alpha News MN. And um, again, you should be keeping a close eye on that. And is there any other place where you're where you're currently writing? Oh, thanks for asking. Yeah, I'm, I've done some writing at the Lid Blog. Our friend Jeff Dunitz. Oh, um, there you go. Yeah, uh, I do some articles there that that are that may not go on Alpha News. Um, I talk probably I do a little more on foreign policy for Lid, and a little more sometimes even on elections. Uh, he likes to post those, so you can look for my writing under AJ Kaufman at lidblog.com and our friend Jeff Dunitz at the Lid. There you go. Also, uh, Jeff's on Twitter at Yid with Lid. So uh, as you well know, because we always talk about Jeff here. And so, all right, AJ Kaufman, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you, Ed. Thanks for having me. All right. Stand by for more from the Ed Morrissey Show coming up next. Thank you for watching and listening to the Ed Morrissey Show podcast. Be sure to subscribe at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube to get alerted as soon as new episodes get published. You can support The Ed Morrissey Show and Hot Air's VIP reporting by becoming a VIP member, too. Visit hotairvip.com and use the promo code SAVEAMERICA, all one word, for 40% off your membership. Choose VIP Gold and gain membership to access to all of the town hall sites. Thanks again for watching and listening.